Row quickly and message one of our sponsors, Elite Rowing Coach by Zeno Mueller. Are you a passionate rower? Make your rowing dreams come true and rapidly improve your erg score and get recruited to your dream school. Elite coaching is a competitive advantage. Learn more at www.elite-rowing-coach.com and make sure to use code 4STARS, F-O-R-S-T-A-R-S, for $100 off on your training package purchase. On tonight's program, ladies and gentlemen, we have something that's going to make you sick. everyone to another episode of the four stars podcast i'm your host hudson forster and we have a wonderful guest on the podcast today coach matthew smith he is the associate head coach at princeton university on the men's heavyweight rowing team and it is a it's a blessing to have him on today so coach thank you for hopping on the podcast i appreciate it thanks hudson this is this is good i'm excited thanks for reaching out and asking oh of course good to, to to talk a little bit more about rowing with other people out there I agree. I agree. So, you know, we, we hear from Coach Smith is is at Princeton, right? So he spent some time also at Cornell. Uh, and, you know, his his journey in rowing has been pretty, pretty extreme. He's definitely made an impact on the U.S. for sure. Um, so, you know, Coach Smith, if you could walk us through, you know, your experience um, in high school, Woodbridge, and then going to going to uh, Wisconsin for college with that Army ROT school. Yeah. So I started rowing in the fall of 1992 at Woodbridge High School, which is in Prince William County, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. Um, and what's fascinating about, about rowing in the, the Washington, D.C. metro area, for those of you, and if you don't know it, it's all high school based. Um, you know, so it's a, everybody just rows for their high school and, and it's grown pretty nuts over the past. 25 years um even when i was there it was big but rode there um had a couple really great coaches um and you know really learned to love the sport is what i would say um you know my novice coach the guy that taught me how to row is still coaching at um bear island aquatic center out in, in the san francisco bay area and then the the coach that i had for most of high school a guy by the name of tom mullen um, who really instilled a love of the sport is a retired school teacher and still coaching novices at a, a high school in, in Northern Virginia still. And, and, and so it was a, a pretty formidable time. Um, and, and as I tell people a lot, I, I learned to love rowing there. You know, we lost a lot of races and never really won major things came close a couple times to, to a few championship races. Um, but learn, learn to like rowing, you know, it's like, it, it and my high school coach, Tom Mullen, what was interesting with him was you were allowed to row two falls out of the four years of high school. If you rowed for four years of high school, you could row two falls. Your novice year, so for me, that was my freshman year, and then one fall as a varsity rower. After that, you had to go do something else. That was his sort of methodology. And so I rowed fall of my freshman year and obviously spring of my freshman year. And then again, fall of my sophomore year, because I wanted to know what this varsity rowing was as a, as a sophomore. Did that after my sophomore year, 
okay, you know, what did you do? And so many of us would go and join the cross-country team to try to stay in shape. So it was kind of an interesting sort of pathway where late in my high school career, I started another sport or joined another team at the school with the cross-country team and did that for my junior and senior year falls. And then we would kind of do quasi winter training and then row in the spring. Um, but I didn't decide, I think, you know, where you're kind of going with this. I didn't decide until very late, you know, September, October of my senior year of high school that I wanted to row in college. And, and by that meaning at sort of the division one varsity level. Um, and then that really changed, you know, the trajectory of schools I was looking at and where I wanted to go. And, and you know, in the end, it led to, to Wisconsin. You know, I, I was very shocking to my family, I think, that I ended up going there. Um, mainly because nobody in my family had ever been to that state or that university. <laughs> so for me to kind of go to this place from Northern Virginia was, it was kind of interesting. Um, but it was awesome, you know, and, and I think it, it took me understanding that I really did love the sport of rowing. You know, I was a 165 pound, six foot guy in high school. So I wasn't any sort of high powered, um, rower or recruiting. You got to remember this is in, um, nineteen nine fall of nineteen ninety five is my my senior year. So, okay, internet and recruiting it was kind of around, but it wasn't as prolific as it is now in terms of access of information and being able to get your name out there or me even understanding what was out there. Um, in a lot of ways, my my main question to you is: and how did they do recruiting back then? Like, what was like were coaches going out and seeing you in in person? How was it different than it is today? You know, that that's a great question. And I honestly don't know. You know, I think that's one that I should I should ask a couple older coaches. Um, I, 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 you know, I learned about Wisconsin. I, I believe I wrote an email, maybe, or I may have written a letter out to them saying, hey, I'm interested in your school. We had a brochure from there in my in my high school and a couple other kids I had known, like had seen these brochures. And so I saw it and I was like, Oh, okay, let me learn about it. And I did some research and see, okay, Hey, they, they don't under a very good undergraduate business program. And the rowing team was sort of on this upward trajectory. Um, I had visited some schools in the summer between my junior and senior year, but again, not knowing about recruiting, I just kind of would show up and go see the boathouse. If there happened to be a coach there, maybe I talked to them. Um, you know, it's like I, as a classic, you know, funny story, I remember we did visit Princeton and I was by no means ready for this caliber of a school or anything, but, you know, showed up at the boathouse and, you know, classic high school kids who said, hey, is Coach Tady around? Not knowing even who he is, because he was the freshman coach at the time. It was the summer. He was at the world championships coaching. You know, it was like, I didn't even know anything like that. Um, you know, so it's sort of kind of funny how it all came full circle. Uh, but I think a lot of times, you know, all of the rowing results back then, it was funny, I was just looking at some the other day, used to be published, you know, there's the Rowing News mag Magazine now. They used to be, that used to be a paper printed newspaper that was sent out every two weeks, if I remember correctly. Um, and they had every result. It was like a results database. And you would get this thing in the mail and you could look at results of, okay, who won the San Diego Crew Classic? Who did what at some erg race? My guess is that's how coaches figured out stuff where they just called around no different than any other sport out there, football, track, soccer, the phone, phone calls were made. People had relationships with certain schools. But again, I was at a school that wasn't any sort of high powered thing, you know, prior to me, 
um, going off and rowing in college. Uh, a guy a year above me, Steve Perry, who, who's coached around and a lot at the collegiate high school level a lot. He had gone to Rutgers. Um, a guy above year above him, uh, who was pretty influential, had gone to the Naval Academy and rowed for them. So, so we started seeing some a couple older guys come back. And, oh, there's this college rowing thing beyond just schools in Virginia. Um, and so for me, it was really, hey, like, I love rowing. I just want to try it somewhere. It wasn't about getting recruited. I didn't get recruited. I, I, I applied to Wisconsin. I got in. And once I got in, I wrote the coaches, Chris Clark, who's still there, uh, and said, hey, I've been accepted to your school. I'm six foot tall, 165 pounds. Can I come row? You know, got a response back immediately. Yes. Love little guys, just want guys that want to work hard. And, and, and so that created this opportunity for me, which was pretty awesome. So how did you have this this connection with uh, with the ROT scholarship? So so I grew up in a military family um, and kind of knew about it. If, you know, my parents are awesome, both worked in the government. Uh, my dad was in the military, then became, you know, worked in the different industry afterwards. But we were by no means sort of, okay, wealthy or anything. And, and, and so for me to be able to go and afford school out of state um, at the University of Wisconsin, Army, the Army ROTC scholarship that I had been awarded was going to provide that opportunity and be pretty helpful to my family in terms of us, you know, paying my tuition. Um, and all I had to worry about was, was room and board. Uh, and, and so that that is, you know, how I went to school. Right. And so when I was at Wisconsin, I was an undergraduate business major and I was in Army ROTC uh, and, and on the men's rowing team. You know, so pretty, pretty busy schedule. And, you know, most people and, and it's, it's honest when you hear about, OK, when you're in college, you can kind of do two things really, really well. Um, if you try to do three, it's going to be pretty busy. And so I did have a, a pretty busy, you know, four years. And hey, sometimes I had to focus my efforts. In, in different areas and but that's life and that's how you learn how to do that and that's re- that's a really important lesson i think and that's one we still try to instill with guys is like hey yeah you're gonna have some challenges and you know you give your best every day whatever that is give your best and, and know hey some days it may not be risk you might be sick you might be really busy but show up and give your best of whatever you've got on that day is an important uh thing that i learned and when you when you do these uh you know talks with your athletes now you know, what type of things to try to implement in those conversations with them? You know, like when you, you guys have meetings together as a team and, you know, how do you and, and coach, you know, coach Hughes talk about, you know, your, your goals for the season and kind of what you expect out of your athletes? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty deep question. Multi, multi-layer there, right. Touching on goals for the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, individual one-on-one meetings with guys, life lessons. I think, okay. If you, if you, peel back one layer of, of every year the team is different you know and, and we really work to empower the guys and especially the seniors on the team and ask them what do they want to do where do they want the team to go how do they want to manage the team and, and we're going to guide them right we're going to sort of steer them it's no it's by no means sort of a dictatorship of all, you know us saying things here um or anything like that it, it it's you know it's working together and helping them you know, find out what their goals are, right? And, and some of them might be very tangible and some of them might just be, hey, how do we want to lead this team when we graduate? And, you know, I think that's a, a good lesson um, and a way to describe it is like, okay, hey, how do you measure success? 
in a lot of ways, right? And, and I think it's important, you know, I think something that I learned in the past couple of years from uh, a Princeton alum who, who's the president of our alumni association is like, hey, like, don't let success be purely measured by medals, right? It, it, it's, did you leave this institution a better person? And did you leave this institution in a better place? If so, that's success. And I, and I think that's important. Now, that's not to say we're not competitive individuals and we don't want to win a lot of races. We do, right? And, and, and I think, but those results are a result of sort of the team driving and going for those things. It's not sort of sitting around and and obsessing about one race or one erg score or, or one instance. Those things matter and, and they're, we're passionate, right? We care. And but they're not the 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 driving force and sole motivation all the time. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. And, uh, you know, I, I, I never really asked this question to any coach, and I wanted to kind of hear what your opinion is on this, um, or actually just your experience. Uh, how does the associate head coach and a head coach work together to have a good bond, you know, on the water and just that connection, that chemistry between you two? Yeah, I, I think, hey, that's going to be different everywhere. I, I've been pretty lucky, you know, if you think about, Okay, I was in the military. I was rowing on the national team. Uh, I've had a different pathway into coaching. It wasn't I graduated and I wanted to be a coach. I didn't know I wanted to be a coach until probably several years after coaching, quite frankly. Um, and, and, and so I, I've been pretty lucky to be in, in two really awesome programs and then to have had the opportunity, um, you know, in, in my collegiate career, at the end of the day, I had one coach, Chris Clark. Um, he was my freshman coach when you still had freshman rowing, and then he became the varsity coach. Um, and, you know, had him for four years, and he taught me a lot, not just how to move a boat and how to be tough um, and create many opportunities for me with the national team um, and basically putting me on a pathway to eventually make the Olympic team one day. Um, and then I went to Cornell and, and I was really lucky to work with Todd Kennett, um, and was an associate head coach there. And then really lucky to be here at, at Princeton and, and be an associate head coach here. And I think, you know, to answer your question, okay, Hey, well, what is this role of associate head coach? I think it, it is it, at the end of the day, it's a title. Okay. But I think it's, it, what it shows is there is collaboration. Um, it shows there's a relationship and a conversation and it's not just, oh, there's this hierarchy, you know, and information is being pushed out. There's a lot of discussion. And I think you see that across the board at many colleges these days. Now it, it is, it's like it, in every sport out there, it's collaborative to be successful. You're going to have to be collaborative. And I think that's what, that's basically what it is. That's what you're talking. There's discussions about it. And it's not just, okay, one person is coaching one set of athletes. 
Uh, it is okay. Hey, all eyes are on everybody and athletes are going to relate to different coaches in different ways within the same staff. And that that's okay. Right. As long as the messaging that's coming across is the same. And I think that's what you see in the successful programs and successful coaching staffs out there. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, and uh, last question about, about the kind of dynamics. Um, I want to know more about how you work with your coxswains, you know, on the water, off the water. Um, you know, my, my, my really good friend, Connor Neal is, is your coxswain and uh, he's doing big things, you know, big things, you know, he's, they call him little man, but you know, we're the same height. Uh, and I don't know, I'll call him little man. You know, he's, he's a pretty big dog in my opinion. And I have a lot of respect for him. Um, I watch his race recording for the youth nationals in 2021 when he won, when I listened to Connor's recording, it was like, wow, this kid really, really knows what he's doing, really has a great coaching and, you know, we're, we're getting Coach Fife on the podcast, uh, I think, next week. So it's getting to me. We're elevating the, the podcast right now. So Yeah, no, listen, hey, listen you're, you're doing good stuff. And I, I think it's like you're you're talking to the right people. And I, I don't, there is just like teaching rowing and, and how to move a boat. You know, the, the coxswain aspect is it's just as important, too. And there's no formula. As we say to, to our coxswains a lot, it's like, hey, find your voice. You know, and, and I'll be honest, I'm a student of that sport, right? Uh, I'll read all sorts of interviews from different elite level coxswains. And there's a lot of good ones out there. And, and I pass that knowledge on to our own coxswains and to potential coxswains looking to to row at the collegiate level or or go up, right? Like, how do you find your own voice and be yourself and, and, and not try to um, imitate somebody else? You know, very much in rowing, you got to have your own you know, drive and motivation. And in coxswains, you got to be yourself. There's some fundamentals, right? Like you got to be able to steer, got to be organized, you got to be able to work with others. You also, you know, have to have that athlete mindset and be okay with competition. Uh, I think that's important um, and be able to work. And again, I think this is where it's though every system, every location is different um, and there is no formula to it. Um, we've been pretty lucky here um in my time here at princeton you know we've had some some former coxswains on staffs and some, some volunteer coaches who were able to do some amazing things and, and sort of teach us new ideas of just how to give feedback you know beyond just sort of coxswain surveys you know whether it's taking recordings and overlaying it on video of pieces we're doing out on the water so you referenced listening to to connor's youth nationals recording okay We'll do that many times for any pieces we're doing here all the time. The coxswains will record themselves. And if, if we're out on the, the race course, we can film from the side and then we can overlay it and then go. The rowers can then go back and watch and listen. And the coxswain can do the same thing to see, OK, hey, I was saying this. Here's what was actually going on from the side and what was visually different. Right? It's a, so it's an interesting role. I think, it's a, it's a, I think that's where rowing we can continue to push the envelope uh of for lack of a better word support science right versus just saying this is what's always been done let's leave it there how do we get in creative inventive and and learn different ways and hey gps's are a simple example right you can actually look at courses coxswain's drive now more and that's getting more and more yeah. high powered and i think that's neat i think that's good for the sport i think it's also good good for coxswain's right like as you know there's no erg score no, you know, and so coxes are always looking for feedback, you yep. know, and, I, and that it shows they care and it shows they love the sport, which is important. 
hundred percent. I I had a buddy of mine who told me a little bit more about the whole NK thing a, lot, a little while back, where you're literally able to figure out the splits and everything like that. You can like hook it up to your phone and Bluetooth, and it's like it's crazy what you can do now. It's nuts. I really, really. Yeah, enjoy. you can you can essentially take you know what your what rowers see on the erg after a practice when they hit memory recall, and you can kind of do that for yourself of 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 data, right? And again, it's not the answer. It's just information, though. You you might then, re- if you recorded yourself and you look at that, you might see, oh, wow, when I said this, we actually went slower when I thought we were supposed to go faster. Or, hey, we actually did go faster, right? And that's all good feedback of just learning and growing, right? There's no magic formula to this. There's no magic bullet uh, out there. As, as, as anybody that ever comes into my office is, I, you know, I have a, a quote sitting above it because I'm a you know, former military guy that... You know, we spent the whole war looking for a magic technological bullet. We never found it. Battles continue to be won or lost uh, on the basic fighting ability and courage of man on the ground. Right. So those things matter and they help, but there's not this magical thing. If there was, we'd all be doing it. You're 100 correct. Uh, you know, Rowing News put out this thing that Princeton got first in their rankings. Yeah, yeah. That's, hey, listen, that, that's always. Uh, it's always nice to be recognized. I think that that um, Pr- Princeton is unique, and I and I and it's good that you said Princeton, right? Is because we do have all four programs here: like open women, lightweight women, lightweight men, and heavyweight men. And there are not many programs or schools in the country that have all four of those programs and have all four of them physically in the same boathouse. Right. Like they, they just aren't. And, and so I think to be recognized and, and, you know, hey, listen, they're all firing on all cylinders. Right. Our, our lightweight women, you know, are, are, are doing amazing things with Coach Paul Rassam. The women, obviously, with Coach Lori Daphne are doing amazing things. The lightweight men are, are always in the running. And, and so I think it's, hey, it's nice to be recognized rankings are rankings you know i'm not going to sit here and say oh this that and the other but i think it is i think princeton it is unique because we even talk about it here it's the princeton rowing boathouse and it's princeton rowing it's not just the men the women or this that the other and and i think hey this this past november as an example we celebrated 150 years of heavyweight men's rowing here um 100 years of lightweight men's rowing 50 years of women's rowing and 25 years of lightweight women's rowing. That's pretty special stuff. And we had a thousand rowing alum from Princeton come back onto campus in November, sort of the largest single gathering of any one sort of institutions um, rowing alums in one place. And it was pretty awesome. I mean, and, and for our own current athletes of all four programs to see and be at that dinner and, sit at tables with people from the 50s. We had alums all the way from the 50s back. It's pretty special, and it shows how sort of transformational this experience is here, um, and and it can be. And I think that, to me, is what was reflected in that, right? For instance, it, it, is, a, it is a pretty, you know, sort of exceptional experience um, outside of all of it. And, that, and that's what, at the end of the day, that's what you remember about college rowing. That's what I remember about college rowing, right? It's not necessarily a specific race. It's all those instances outside of the, the buoyed lane, right? What, what you did in a practice one day, riding in vans, going on a trip. Um, the races absolutely matter, but as you get farther away from that season, you remember other instances. 
a hundred percent. I totally understand what you're saying. I, uh, I, all the time, I just remember even in high school, just having time with my, with my boys and just going, going to practice and listening to music on the way to the boathouse after school and stress out about, about exams or finals. But when you're with, when you're with them, you kind of feel this, this sense of, uh, like you, everything's going to be all right. You know what I mean? And then when you get to the boathouse, you start training and then you get in the boats and everything just kind of starts amping up. And then I just, I don't know. It's just all these little things about rowing. It just really makes individuals. I mean, I just, I've seen people their whole life change when they, when they start rowing. I really don't know how it, how it happens or what it is, but just the sport itself just teaches individuals to be better than when they, when they left the house that, that day, you know, it, it you get out there in the water, you're in the boats and you're you're doing your thing. And then you you realize like, oh my gosh, like I, I, w- I was kind of nervous doing this before practice or I was, I don't, I don't even know if I was going to say this call, but I did. And, and and look where I am now. And my coach is all happy and he's, he gave me, you know, congratulations and everything like that. So you never know. I, I'm kind of getting on a little rant right here, but I feel like I'm trying to say like this sport just ch- truly changed my life and I've seen it change other people's lives. And I've never seen any other sport do that for anyone else. I mean, no, I, th- I think you're, you're, you're 100% accurate. Right. And that was my journey. I, I, like I said, I wasn't anything. I was, listen, I was probably good, better than I realized it maybe in high school, uh, but definitely didn't know it. And I just loved the sport and wanted to keep doing it. That's what, you know, was amazing. You know, the two high school coaches that I mentioned, Chris Flynn and Tom Mullen, you know, it's like, I just learned to like the sport and I just wanted to be around it. And, and when I went to college, I, that's all I wanted. You know, again, I was going to the University of Wisconsin. It's a heavyweight men's team. I was six foot tall, and 165 pounds. By no means did I honestly think I was probably going to row past my freshman year because I didn't think I'd be good enough. And I just wanted the opportunity to do that one year of rowing. Um, well, coach, okay, now, fa- now, fa- now fast forward, you know, yeah. how many ever years later, I'm still in the say. sport, but, but at the time that was how I was thinking. And I just liked it. Uh, well, I mean, I still do. there's pros and cons to that. Cause you're not being so like hotty tidy that, Oh, I'm this, I'm that, you know, you still like you're, you're humble. I guess you can say, you're not, you're not, you're not having this mindset of like, I'm, I'm Mr. Big shot. You know what I mean? You, you're, you have this sense of, of, you're just very, you know, humble and you have, you want to improve. So I, I can't, I mean, maybe there's benefits to that than you, than you think. Oh, absolutely. Listen, you yes. know, as a smaller guy, you, you, you have, you know, you know, you, you've got a chip on your shoulder cause you're always trying to, you know, stack up. And, yep. you know, you, if I, you know, it says, if I always say, okay, hey, a, a six foot eight, 220 pound guy, if I had that size, maybe, oh, oh man, who knows what I would have done. <laughs> right. Would have, could have, should have sort of mentality, but yeah, I get, I, I, you're, you're spot on. I think again, I, it's what it's also though a trait that you see in some of the best athletes in the world. Yep. Right. You know, sort of wanting to get better um, and love of their sport. You know, I've listened to several of your podcasts and what resonates with me in a lot of the people that talk about is like they love the sport. Yeah. They like the sport. And I think that's, you know, what leads um, to success for a lot of people is that they genuinely love what they're doing and it's yes the do the results matter yes they want to be you know as good as they can be in the in their field in their craft but that's not the sole motivation right and and i think that's kind of you know hey when we're looking at people and when i'm talking to people that's what we always talk about yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta like what you're doing and then if you're lucky enough to find that right in any industry i think is the important thing if you're lucky enough to figure out hey like what do I like? And can I do that? 
you know, what helped me do that. I think that's what's important. And what are the key traits? Uh, it's like, I loved my time in the military and it's kind of why I ended up probably getting into coaching um, is because you're, you're sort of being, you're able to influence 19 to 23 year olds. Right. And, and that was an impactful time for me in college. My, my collegiate coach, Chris Clark at Wisconsin, like, like I said, you know, it's like, if you do the math for collegiate athletes, they're around their coaches more than anybody else in those four years. Um, and so that's an impactful role that you can have in this as a coach. And then to the athlete, Hey, like, yeah, would have I ever thought I could have made a national team or the Olympic team? No, but Chris Clark said, Hey, there's this summer camp, this pre-elite camp. Why don't you go to it? See how you do. Maybe you make it. You'll probably get cut. Who knows? And so I was like, okay, sure. I ended up making it, you know, and, and that put me on a pathway because I didn't even realize I was maybe that good. Um, and so I think I, you know, it was a lot of, I was very lucky to have one, the first couple coaches I had in the sport teach me the love of the sport. And then my next coach I had at the collegiate level teach me how good I could be and how to push myself even more. Um, and, and so I've, I've been pretty lucky. And then I think, Hey, if I think about, you know, whether it's my military career or my coaching career, I've been very lucky to be around some, some phenomenal mentors and, and head coaches to, you know, again, it's still in me, Hey, like you are actually pretty good at this and give me opportunities, um, to do stuff and, and learn and grow. And I think that's what keeps me in it and keeps me having fun with it. You're on mute. I, I'm telling you, Coach, I, I got this new microphone my buddy gave me. He's like, you guys sound more professional. And every, it's like, it, it it's a weird microphone. I, I keep having to press it on and off. And it's, I don't know. So I have to hey, ask. That's all going. right. Learning from it. That's what that's yeah. what editing's for. So yes, no 100%. 100%. We're going to be editing out. I've edited out so much of, the, of these podcasts with high school athletes. It's unbelievable. I think I spend more time editing than I actually do, like, in anything else. Uh, it's crazy. I just, yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a good lesson you learn. Same yes. with videos. Oh yes, that's 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 even harder. What was going through your head when you were when you were training for the for the national team and and uh, you know as you were trying to be and you were on this Army ROT scholarship, mm -hmm. you're representing America. Yeah, so I, I think I think so. There's a, a couple different aspects there. You know, when I during the summer when I was in college, okay, that's a different aspect. Rowing for an under twenty three national, you finish the IRA. And you, you go and you're either at a selection camp or, or something. Um, and then you make new 23s. Okay, that's done by the end of July. You, you go and have a little bit more summer than you're back at school. So that's a little bit different. That's just kind of a continuation of your college season, just rowing with other U.S. college kids, quite frankly. And it is awesome. And it's an amazing experience and, and putting yourself out there and learning. I think, so when I graduated in 2000 from the University of Wisconsin, um, I was getting commissioned to be a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army because I'd gone to college on an Army ROTC scholarship. So I was going to be an, an Army officer. That was my pathway. Um, you know, I was very lucky. You know, my mom actually, because she worked in the government, heard about this program that the, the U.S. Army has, the Department of the Army, called the World Class Athlete Program. And, and essentially what it is is it's a program that – if you have the potential to make an Olympic team in your given sport, you could apply to get into this program and your job in the army for the two years leading to into an Olympics would be to try to go make that sport, that, that team. 
Um, and I didn't know about that. I thought, okay, hey, 2000 came around. I graduated, um, you know, finished the IRA. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. Like, I'm going into the Army. That's where I'm going. That's my job. Um, my mom let me know about that program. And so I was off to do, I was an infantry officer. Uh, so I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, um, and was in my, what's called infantry officer, basic course, airborne school, mechanized leader school, ranger school, did all these schools. And in that process, I had found out about this program and I was very lucky, um, that the commander of the infantry school at the time for me, like I had my application and I had to ask him to sign it. You know, he had to sign off on me being able to go do this. And, you know, he was very, very supportive. He thought it was an amazing program. And I was very lucky that he he signed off on my application. And so then I was accepted into that program. So in uh, 2001, September, 9-11 occurred. I was in the, the mountains of Georgia in the middle of, the U.S. Army's Ranger School. Um, obviously, okay, a lot of things are going on in the world. And, and But I, at the same time, I had been accepted into this athlete program. Um, so it was a pretty interesting time for me uh, to figure out, okay, hey, like I've been trained to do all this stuff. I also have this desire to make a run at the Olympics. Um, and so I did. I, I decided to enter into the program. And so essentially, to, to get to your question, I was assigned – to Princeton, New Jersey, because that's where the National Team Training Center was. Um, and I lived here and I trained here as my full-time job uh, from 2002 to 2004. And so to, to answer your question, what's it like on a daily basis? I think it's very different as a national team athlete um, than a collegiate athlete because, yes, you're friends and you're teammates, but you are competing against each other on a daily basis for a finite number of seats uh, to be able to go to races. And so there is that difference, right? You're, you're trying to be, you, yeah, you are buddies, but hey, you're going to be in selection and it'll come down to you versus another good friend of yours potentially on making boats. And so it's a, it's a different setup. It's an amazing opportunity. Again, I love the sport. I it, For me, it wasn't an all or nothing sort of thing. It was like, hey, this is awesome. I'm going to try it. If I make it great, if I don't, I'll deal with that. Like it wasn't sort of a, a, the defining moment of who I am for me um, sort of thing. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I was also very lucky though, because I was essentially as close to you would get to being a professional athlete in the sport of rowing. Right. Um, because I, I was in the U S military, I was in the army um, and, and I was getting paid to row for those years. So I was, I was, I was very, very lucky in that respect. And, and you know, made it had some ups and downs in there and learned a lot of other lessons that we could talk about probably forever um but yeah made made it and wrote, wrote in the 04 games in, in the lightweight four and, and uh yeah i want it to be transformational not transactional right i want to build relationships with guys i want them to have their journey and see that princeton is the place that's going to help them you know, become better people and become and take rowing as far as they want to take it and also still be set up for the next 44 years of their life once they're done. Exactly. Right. And it's not, you know, I think, hey, that takes some time for people to do that. As as I use my own story all the time, I decided very late in high school that I wanted to row. And I think because of that, I knew I loved the sport. And because of that, I 
was able to figure out where I wanted to go. And so I think the guys we, you know, the people that we have at Princeton as an entire school, as an institution, they do an amazing job of, of having people. And I think what draws me and that I love about Princeton is sort of just, okay, the, the idea of one of our models here is in the service, mm. right? And, and it is about, okay, hey, how am I making impact on those around me? And how am I leaving? And, and you know, for those that graduate, how do they leave this place better? And for us that are here working, how do we impact the, the people that we have on a, a daily basis? And, and over their four years, it's a four-year journey, per se. 100%. Yeah, I guess uh, go Tigers, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, no, listen, Hudson, you're, you're doing good stuff. And I think like, you know, collegiate rowing is at a special place. It is. I graduated in 2000 and people will reference amazing crews back then. Um, the 99, 2000, 2001, University of California, Berkeley crews, mm -hmm. the 1998 Princeton crew, the Washington crews. I think, you know, what we're seeing now is in an even more amazing depth across the board oh 100 percent. And, and and i think it's great i think it's great for the sport um there's more rowing at the high school level which is amazing um the, the, so it's good for everything you know do we want to win every race absolutely i think we're we're, we're working hard to get there um you know but i also think it's it's you know for us it's it's let's be the best we can be and, and go from there 100 percent. well everyone this is matt smith from uh Princeton University and the men's heavy rowing team. He uh, made an impact at Wisconsin, at Cornell, and now Princeton again. So, Coach, thank you for hopping on the podcast. I appreciate you. And uh, hopefully we'll get to have you on sometime soon down the road. And uh, it's been a wonderful time talking to you and hearing your story. So thank you very much for hopping on the Four Charge podcast. Thanks, Hudson.